Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 166 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a fantastic start to your day. So today's podcast session is a topic that I have been wanting to do a podcast on for quite a long time. And just because I know that a lot of our colleagues are struggling with this, which is how do you build a private practice while handling a chronic illness of any kind? My guest today is Daniela Paloni, and Daniela is a counselor in Westlake Village, California, and her website is at westlakevillage-counseling.com. And today we're just talking all about Daniela's journey, some of the things that she has learned in building her private practice while struggling with a chronic illness and I don't know, this episode, I think whether you have a chronic illness or not, I think there's a lot of just really good pearls of wisdom in this episode, especially around having self-compassion and not falling prey to comparisons and all of those things that many of us, uh, including me, can struggle with. Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, this is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and... I call him Dave. Dave and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous STC podcast guest. And honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know. And with sponsors, you guys know I'm, I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh, the STC audience with. And Dave, when uh, we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people. I just, I had zero doubt. And so Dave is a financial planner, uh, specifically for therapists, and his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told, it impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement and investing and all of those things. And Dave understands that, and he comes from just a very heart-centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, it's absolutely free to download, and it's called The Seven Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And that guide has a lot of the things that, that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. 
Hi, Daniela. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hi, Melvin. Thanks for having me. It's so good to connect with you. I feel like we've connected through online mediums, but to actually do a podcast interview, it's uh, pretty cool. It's very cool. I'm excited to be here. So thanks again. No problem. I feel like this topic, when you shared it with me, I was like, man, I know that just from messages I've received and just private conversations with colleagues, that there are a lot of colleagues that struggle with some sort of a chronic illness and they're trying to build and grow private practices. And that's one of the hardest things I feel like about being a business owner, right? Life and health and all those things don't stop when we're building our businesses. Absolutely. It's a process and it can be really stressful to manage. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so that's, I think that's why I'm looking forward to this conversation. So I thought we would just start at the very top, which is uh, take us inside that journey of building a private practice while struggling with chronic illness. Well, the process for me, it actually forced me to be more intentional with my strategies and to try and find the paths of least resistance. Because if you have a chronic illness, that usually means you don't have a lot of energy, perhaps the things maybe your quote unquote healthy colleagues can do in a day, it's probably not going to be the same amount that you can accomplish in the same day. So just trying to be realistic and maybe setting one or two like goals, things you want to get done that helped me to pace myself because with chronic illness, life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And so you're going to have ups and downs where some days you're feeling great, other days you're not feeling so great. And with that, you know, kind of plays out a little bit how much you're able to put into business building on a particular day. So just trying to be realistic and pace myself was key to have the endurance to go, you know, go through it in the long for the long game, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. You said a lot of really good things in there. So I want to break it down a little bit more. So you said one was, it was just really important to have realistic expectations for yourself. I feel like for many of us, we're high achievers, we're building these businesses. So there's this constant sort of pressure to build and get clients and all of those things, right? Absolutely. How did you learn to have some compassion or grace for yourself? you know, like with regard to those realistic expectations, because on one hand, you have, you know, the reality of having a chronic illness. On the other hand, you have these sort of external pressures or maybe even internal Mm -hmm. pressures as well. Yeah, it's hard. It's, you know, it's definitely not something I could confidently say I've overcome, you know, 100%. I think it just comes in waves of, you know, that internal struggle or that process of like, okay, I would have liked to have been at this point, you know, in in the process of, you know, in this stage of the game. And so I think, again, like, I would say, actually, the self-compassion book from Kristen Neff has been a helpful reminder. While it's not specific to chronic illness, I think it's really relatable for a lot of people. But just having that compassion, because from a health perspective, if I'm not taking care of my health, if I am burning the candle at both ends then not only do I suffer, meaning I'm in pain and unwell for a few days, perhaps, or longer, that also means I'm losing days where I could be getting work done. So the self-care is also kind of a necessity to actually try and continue on my incremental goals that are practice building related. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think of that phrase you said earlier of thinking more like a marathon than a sprint. And I feel like 
especially with chronic illness, it, you really do have to see it as a marathon and not, you know, not something just like a sprint. I don't know. I think the other thing I was thinking about when you were talking was, you know, I feel like this season, I've actually have written this on my wall, which is not, I didn't literally write on my wall, but I have a post <laughs> note on uh, that, you know, I, I stuck on the wall, which is, it's a reminder to myself, like Mel, don't judge your inside by other people's outside. Right. And mm. so especially I feel like in this world of social media and Facebook groups and everything, even among colleagues, right? It's so easy to see these colleagues like having great success. And then we see that externally, right? The external mm-hmm. things. But for us, then we judge ourselves based on how we're feeling inside. Right. So how come I didn't do, how come I don't have that level of success, for example? Yeah, I think what's helped me a lot too is having really great colleagues locally that I see, you know, on a regular basis. We kind of have a, a therapist support group of sorts, you know, so we're just real, we're ourselves and we'll share our wins and our setbacks and frustration, whether it's specifically business related or, you know, other things. And I think that helps to keep it a reality check because yeah, social media is a little skewed. So that can, that can lead to, wow, they're getting all this accomplished and here I am, or, you know, that self-doubts, you know, kind of creeping in from time to time. So that helps to keep me connected and realistic too. Like, Hey, I know I'm not alone in this. (laughs) Right. How did you find that? Or how did you guys even set up a group like that? Actually, my friend that I've been friends with since uh, I was an intern, she kind of got it started once she got licensed. So it was very convenient. And we meet twice a month, like for an hour, hour and a half. And we just talk about what we need, you know, and I mean, gosh, it's such a gift. And if I'm not able to make a meeting, I'm so bummed out because I'm like, no, I need this. (laughs) It's just to feel that connection because private practice in general can be quite isolating, you know, because you're not necessarily in a group therapy setting or an agency, you're, you're solo. So this is a nice way to connect and be like, oh, yeah, you're another private practice therapist and you've got health stuff too. Or, you know, we just, it's just so, so helpful. Yeah. I, I imagine that it paints a more complete picture of the human experience, especially as a business owner. Yeah. And I'd say another thing too is, you know, while mine is local, I think, a lot of therapists do the online kind of thing. Maybe it's more of a mastermind, so it's more business oriented. But I always thought, well, if the in-person ever were to peter out or something came up and I couldn't go anymore, then gosh, I got to get one that's online, you know, because I think that's just a really important piece we all need to kind of keep ourselves connected and realistic and and good within ourselves, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Daniela, one of the things that you also said earlier was you try to focus on one to two things to do mm-hmm. each day. How do you figure out what those one or two things are? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that's a, that's a magical question that I can't really, you know, of course it's going to change. So I might have an idea like today for tomorrow, but when tomorrow comes, it, it might adjust based on something that has come up. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's really hard. What I do have is I have like two working lists. I'm a list person. So I have like a short-term goal list and then I have long-term goals. And so the long-term goals are bigger goals. The short-term are more realistic. And those were the ones I would break down into something. So that's kind of what I aim to do. And I try to work on one to two, you know, make a dent in something more meaty, let's say during the week. And those incremental goals are kind of in alignment with those bigger goals. That sounds really nice and organized. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> say that I'm I'm that organized, but that's what I strive for. 
No, I, I hear you. I, uh, <laughs> I think, I mean, for me, it's still such a work in progress. Like two things that have been really helpful for me is one, I read that book, The One Thing, which is mm. just, that's one of the few books that I've, I think I read that book like five times because every time I read it, I was like, oh, I should implement this. But that book actually, it looks at sort of successful entrepreneurs and they employ a very similar strategy to what you're doing, which is they look at, you know, f- like a five or 10 year goal. And then they say, you know, what could I be doing in the next month, for example, mm-hmm. to accomplish that five-year goal? What is the thing I could be doing in the next week to accomplish that five-year goal? What's the next thing I could be doing the next day? What's the next thing I could do in the next hour? Right. Yeah. And so it's sort of, it is like a, almost like a stepladder mm-hmm. to that bigger goal. The other thing I came across, I don't remember where, I think this may have been like Michael Hyder. I think mm-hmm. that's who it was, but which I, I'm still learning to do this, but being able to like take a weekend or just a day off like every quarter just mm-hmm. to analyze those goals has been i don't know has been eye opening for me just to make sure like the way you're talking about it just make sure they're they're still in alignment those kind of things because i feel like it's for us it's so easy to just be so engrossed in in the nature of what we do it's hard to focus on sort of those bigger goals you know yeah absolutely this year i kind of was out the gate like, okay, I'm going to do a lot more presentations in the community, you know, free stuff on pain management and stress management. And I managed to have done five this calendar year. So one a month, essentially, which like that was pushing hard, but that was like one of my goals. I was like, you know what, like, I'm just going to go for it. I, you know, I partnered up with a colleague who's not a therapist, but a, you know, a specialist in a different field. And we just really complimented each other well. And so it wasn't like just me manning it alone, we had each other, you know, for support. And I think that would have been the only way I could have pushed and gone through that particular goal, this beginning of the calendar year. And I don't know, I think that was my way of trying to be more connected with the local community, also being seen more. And now like we're on a little bit of a break. Shane and I are like, okay, we've, we've done a lot of these. Let's like take a break. Cause you know, it's, it takes a lot of energy and planning. Um, and so I, we actually met yesterday and just did kind of like a recap, like, you know, how did this work for you? You know, did it generate new clients or, you know, kind of, I refer to it as like, let's just talk shop, you know, let, let's revisit it and what, you know, and, and stuff like that. And I think that's helpful to really do like what you say to see how things are panning out. Is it, are you getting a, a good result from, from whatever that thing is? So. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you said another thing is just, you said it so quick, but it was so good. Like, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, you had this idea to do presentations and I think for most of us, the natural tendency is to say, okay, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. Right. But you actually had the humility to say, you know what, maybe trying to do all of this by myself might be too much. And maybe what I can do is partner with somebody, mm-hmm. right? It forms that connection. And then also at a practical level, all of the pressure doesn't fall on me to try to do these. Absolutely. And it helped us to delegate, you know, she has her, her mailing list and her business page. And so she marketed in her avenues and then I handled other tasks and I created the flyers and posted them on social media. And, you know, so it just helped us to carry the, details out and spread it out. So it's not just all on one person. And um, yeah, and I think that was, that's what helped us to go five for five. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask you like, so speaking of this, Mm -hmm. what are some of the ways that you've gotten creative with your marketing, knowing that, you know, chronic illness, some days can be harder than others? I would say at first out the gate with private practice, I actually 
did a lot of my networking and marketing online. Well, I did a lot of my networking online because it was just easier for me to do physically. So I was a little bit limited in being able to make plans and meet people and leave the house sometimes because my health is in a better place now, but back earlier on, it was not so much the case. So actually scheduling a coffee meeting with someone, I might, there's like a 50, 50 chance I would have to cancel. So instead of that, I would do, you know, let's do a Skype call. Let's get on, you know, a phone call, uh, FaceTime, something just so we see each other and we meet. And, and I would do this with other therapists. I wouldn't approach it that way with like doctors or other referral sources potentially. But with other therapists, I figured, you know, they would get it and it would just be fine scheduling wise too. So I kind of did that, but I did a lot of just networking and connecting with other therapists on Facebook. And it's so funny because I really wasn't into Facebook at all. I was a late adopter to Facebook. And then I only got into that because I was joining health related support groups for myself. Hmm. And then it just translated. I was like, well, obviously if, and I am I am essentially my ideal client, except when I was in a having a harder time health-wise. So I, I think back to an earlier time and I'm like, that's where I was and that's who I serve. And they were really on social media. So then it just made sense to open a different business-related business account for Facebook and connect with potential clients that way and connect with other colleagues too and let them know about who I am and what I do. And I was talking to my colleague yesterday, actually, the one I did the presentations with, and she said, you know, honestly, I didn't even know there was such a thing as therapy for chronic pain. And I was like, okay, that's something I need to hear. You know, you lose touch and you just assume because you've been in it for a while. But for her to say that, I said, okay, cool. So obviously that needs to be shared more so people actually know it exists. It's an option for those needing help. So yeah, social media was a big one for me early on. And then as I got better, I was able to make more appointments and luncheons and, you know, get togethers with other people locally. So that's a bit of it in a snapshot. Yeah, no, that's cool. I uh, just, as you were talking, I just kept thinking about that word we said earlier, which is self-compassion, especially when there is some sort of chronic illness involved. There's not one framework of like how to do this. And ultimately it's how does it align with my health? How does it align with the time that I have and all of those different things? And I mean, even something like, I mean, I, I think about even maybe seven, 10 years ago, like the thought of doing like a Skype call or a phone, mm-hmm. you know, as a way to network, like it just seems so like, why would you do that? Like, you know, you got to show up with, letters or you got to show up with something, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's amazing how technology in many ways has allowed us to really expand our understanding of what networking could look like and and building those authentic relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, with doctors and doctor's offices, I'm still pretty traditional. Like I haven't done a lunch and learn or anything like that, but you know, I figure I got to go to them and see what they're about. But with therapists, it's a little more flexible And the other thing too for networking is what I did early on is I actually sought out other therapists who worked with chronic pain and chronic illness. Mm. And they didn't have to be local. Some happened to be local and I already knew them, but others out of state, you know, and it's just a nice kind of support network of helping each other in that way. You know, how do we connect with our ideal client in a meaningful way? What's working for them? 
What have they tried that hasn't been so helpful? That I think was, was really cool too, just to have a sense of community of like, okay, cool. This is how, you know, these are certain obstacles that I'm finding. Is this what you're finding where you're at? And that kind of a thing too. So that was really cool, especially at the early onset when I was, you know, just newly into private practice. Yeah, no, that is very cool. That I mean, the, I think the really neat thing about that is you saw colleagues not as competition, but as a way to collaborate, right? Just because they served a similar niche, even if it wasn't in a different area or even in the same geographic area, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it's a great way to orient. It reminds me of actually wrote this. I don't know. I'm writing down quotes on post-it notes a lot. Oh, nice. <laughs> So the one I wanted to share was, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm, um, that's nice. that's, yeah. So I think that's like an old African proverb. And I just thought, you know, that's, that's so true, especially I think just in general with private practice building. And I imagine, especially if there is um, any kind of a chronic illness that's involved. Mm-hmm. I wanted to shift a little bit, which is like, just to briefly kind of talk about sort of the maybe the big picture, but also a little bit the day-to-day. How do you think you've modified your overall business strategy, knowing that chronic illness is something that you do have to consider and take account for? Well, I wanted to, I was like, okay, well, if I've gone through this process of having health issues and such, what are the connections that I've already made? Whether they're doctors I used to see or specialists I used to see or current clinicians or doctors I see now, um, you know, how can I connect with them in a meaningful way where I could be of service to them? So I kind of looked at essentially warm leads, people who already know me, you know, especially in the medical community. And so that I incorporated as my marketing strategy. And then the other piece, too, is that I kind of decided for myself that during the week is when I provide online counseling and on the weekends, I don't work necessarily both days on the weekends, but uh, maybe one. Um, that's when I would go into the office. So for me, for the long haul, for the long term, outset of where I see myself going with this profession is needing that ability to have more flexibility in scheduling, not just for me, but also for my clients. And so that means the online work is during the week and it helps me have a, firm, a firmer boundary. Um, so if someone wants to see me, the initial session can be in person on a Saturday or a Sunday. That's fine. And then maybe we do a hybrid where we do some in the office and some online. And most of the time, especially if they're with chronic pain and illness, they prefer they prefer the online because it works better for them. So that actually has been quite, I guess I would put that under as a marketing strategy of, hey, we have more flexibility. You might have a flare up one day and literally you, you know, you don't feel safe to drive in the car and come see me. It's a 20 minute drive but you're feeling, you know, like your blood sugar is too low and it's not safe. So you need to stay home that day. That's okay. You know, whatever their situation is. And so that gives them peace of mind too, that there are some options and they won't be, you know, it's not so rigid in that way. And we can still meet, you know, I'll just meet you from my home office and you can be in your pajamas, you know, at home. So I think that is doubly helpful both for me and for them. I, so I guess that's one way of how I've modified it for me personally. Yeah. I mean, it's, I imagine that when you first started, it wasn't like, oh, all of this is going to line up perfectly, but it is really cool. It's just when I was hearing you talk, how now, like looking at it now backwards, right? How Mm -hmm. the combo of your own chronic illness, realizing that was the clients you wanted to serve, thinking about the medium, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking that maybe you could actually expand out of the office and maybe 
your practice didn't need to be the majority in the office, right? How all of those different things have lined up. Yeah, it's really nice in that way that it has aligned in such a way. And it definitely resonates with the clients that I serve or the parents, you know, who are like, oh, that's great because I live an hour away. So to come to your office for my kid or something is a little bit, a little tough. So knowing that there's this option is really helpful. So yeah, it has worked out in a very uh, convenient way. So it, it puts my mind at ease too, because I also know I didn't go into the online counseling as an option until I was a client myself and worked with a therapist in that way. And so for me, I was like, I found it to be just as helpful. And if anything, even more, because I was at home where I was really comfortable with all the things that are familiar to me. And I didn't have to get go down to LA to see this specific kind of a therapist who uses really cool modalities. And he said, you know what, let's just, we can go, you know, we can use video. And I said, oh, great. Cause just the drive to see you stresses me out. Mm. So, and that stress isn't good if you have a health issue. So I was like, okay, well, this has been helpful for me in a lot of ways as a patient, as a client. So why not do it for others too? How do you think having a chronic illness has made you a better business owner? It has forced me to be more intentional with what it is that I do decide to do. So anything that's big marketing or anything that's going to demand a lot of energy, I really have to think it through and go, is this really in alignment with where I want my business to go and how I want to be seen in the community and so on? Because big decisions and big goals are great, but they also do command quite a bit of my energy. And I only have so much energy. Those with chronic illness or chronic pain, there's a saying of being a spoonie. I don't know if you've heard of that, but you only have so many spoons and each spoon is like a unit of energy for the day. And so you want to be really intentional about when you're going to use a spoon. And so there's the day-to-day stuff, just living life. And then there's the practice building. So being intentional about where I do invest my energy so that I'm still able to support myself and pace myself with the long-term goals and how I envision things to to take shape. Has it been hard to find, I guess, self-compassion for yourself? Like in those moments, realizing that, you know, like in the day-to-day, like you may have a flare-up, right? Mm -hmm. And something that you plan to do, you're not going to be able to do, right? Just because. So I guess in that situation, how do you typically handle it? I try to give myself a taste of my own medicine in that whatever, when I tell clients these things, because it's oftentimes our own personal life can kind of parallel or things kind of match with showing up with our clients. And so I'm like, listen, Daniela, practice what you preach, you know, so just don't ruminate, don't just bring attention to that thing that you're upset about or frustrated or down about. Look at the big picture. Cause that's what I try to tell my clients too. It's like, look at the big picture for me. It's like, look at where I started. I started where I was, it was hard for me to leave the house. The only way I could market was online. And that was really beneficial to me because I met some amazing clinicians who I've never met in person, but now look at how I've been able to evolve. Things have, you know, I've learned all these ways of coping and taking care of myself and look at the big picture, you know, look at how far you've gone and how far you've, you've come. So I think, Reminding myself of the onset and where things are at now has has been very helpful to bring attention to the gains that I have made personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I love that, Danielle. I wanted to wrap up with a question, which I'm sure a lot of listeners are, are wondering about, which is, what are some of the ways that you take care of yourself in the day to day of seeing clients? So, this could be really practical things like you know, sleep hygiene all the way down to, you know, snacks and those kind of things. And 
however scheduling, however you want to take it. So I think a big piece for me with the self-care is seeing clients online during the week because that gives me more flexibility in scheduling. And it's just in alignment with me taking care of my own needs, but also being of service to others. And so for me, that's a self-care too. And so I can schedule clients maybe with a 30-minute break in between. You know, I usually try to give myself at least a half hour in between clients just so I can take care of myself and go get my snacks and all of that stuff or take a little walk or sit outside. And I also enjoy using essential oils. So there's different kinds with different, you know, kind of holistic properties and benefits. And so I will use those for myself personally. I also might do something called tapping or emotional freedom technique. Um, that's kind of a form of energy psychology. Well, it kind of, that's where it falls under is energy psychology and kind of clearing out anything that might have been a really heavy session, anything that's a little too intense that I need to kind of walk off and process and clear out. The combination for me of essential oils with um, tapping is really helpful. I don't see too many clients in a day. I mean, I'd say five is pretty much pushing it. I would rather see four in a day, Mm. maybe two in the morning and two in the afternoon. And I might even stagger it. I might see just one client on one day and then do other things the rest of the day and then see someone else. You know, I try to keep Fridays client free days. You know, that's my kind of personal day to just take care of me. And the other days I might have one or two clients, but it's a little bit staggered out. So I don't know, for me, it works to kind of break it up. So some days I see clients and then in the morning perhaps, and then later on in the day, I take care of the administrative and business building and networking kind of stuff. Mm. No, those are all such really good tips. I think like the big thing I take out of that is for all of us, like I think you just have to figure out what works with your schedule and sort of how your your body is is reacting and, and doing. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to ask you something just really random, but so you mm-hmm. said you kind of stagger the schedule. So does that typically mean that you kind of schedule like on a week to week basis with clients or do you stick to like one time for clients? Like how do you typically do scheduling? You know, some clients are the set time each week, which is helpful for me. Other clients, it's actually hard for them to be able to see me consistently because they have so many health issues or they have so many doctor appointments. So that's where maybe, you know, I meet them on a Tuesday at a certain time and then the next week it's a Thursday. So for me, that's a little bit harder, but I also... I think that's why I stagger out some of my clients because some of them literally are in the doctor's office maybe three times a week for different things. Mm. And so scheduling for them personally is really hard as it is. And so so I try to accommodate that. So that's, I think, also part of the staggering process. Daniela, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I'm grateful for you, grateful for the work that you do in the world. Um, what are some of the best ways that folks can learn about you and the work that you're doing in the world? Well, they can always uh, go to my website, which is uh, westlakevillage-counseling.com. And that's where I have quite a bit of info about what I do and how I help. And so you can check that out. And then I also have, um, you can always call me. My number's on the website. I'd be happy to chat with any of my colleagues and support them. So yeah, those are the best ways to reach me. Awesome. Daniela, thank you again for doing this. Thank you so much, Melvin. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, you too. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Daniela. And 
Whether you struggle with the chronic illness or not, I hope that today's session has just been really helpful and uh, insightful and encouraging for you. I was uh, reflecting a bit on this session with Danielle, and one of the things that I, I was just thinking a lot about is, you know, I am fortunate to receive lots of emails from colleagues who, and lots of colleagues just share their own struggles and things like that. And I just, I think one of the things that, that I've received a lot of messages on recently is a lot of colleagues are just overstretching themselves, having some sort of a chronic illness and having to work all of these crazy hours. And, and then what inevitably happens is that they work way too hard and then it ends up, they get some sort of flare up and then they end up having to miss some days of their work. And it's this, this kind of hard and tough cycle. And I hope that today's podcast session, especially if that's you, has given a bit of encouragement and support for you. I think the biggest lesson that I took away from my conversation with Daniela is whether you struggle with a chronic illness or not, to really see this journey of private practice as more of a marathon and not a sprint. And we're the only ones that understand our lives and what we are dealing with in our lives. Um, social media is a sliver of someone's life, right? It's not the full or the totality of someone's life. And the best thing that we can do, not just as clinicians, but also as business owners, is to honor our lives and try to build businesses that align with our lives and align with with where we are in our lives. Daniela mentioned a number of different resources, and you can find that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 166. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want, and uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart-centered folks that I've ever met, and you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of your, any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Have a great rest of your day and thank you so much for tuning in. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.
So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.